In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy on us, and for his sake, grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, Increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will, and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given his only Son to die for us and for his sake forgives us all our sins. To those who believe on his name, he gives the power to become the children of God and has promised them his Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. 
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, by your great goodness, mercifully look upon your people, that we may be governed and preserved evermore in body and soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the third Sunday in Lent is written in the second book of Moses, known as Exodus, chapter 8. My mistake. For the fifth Sunday in Lent, first book of Moses, known as Genesis, chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. With two, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set for out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God will himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So, the, so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The second lesson is written in the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 9. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most high, most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. Glory be to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking my glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did, all, so did the prophets, yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father whom you claim as your God is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him, and if I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet fifty years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. 
At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Once again, this Sunday gets its name from the first word of the introit in Latin, judica. It means judge, sometimes translated vindicate. It comes from Psalm 43, Judge me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. Question is, would you say that? Would you call on God and ask God to judge you? I doubt it. We don't even like it, we maybe especially don't like it, when fellow sinful human beings who should have some sympathy with us judge us. We'd say things like, don't you judge me. Truth is, there's only one person who would say something like this. There's only one person who would stand before the highest court in all creation and ask to be judged standing there in the midst of wickedness and deceit to stand before his accusers and be judged. Only one who is there proven innocent, who speaks the truth. Only one who deserves eternal glory. In our gospel for today, Jesus wasn't even on trial yet. It comes just two chapters after last week's gospel when Jesus fed the 5,000, that was perhaps the height of Jesus' popularity. But his approval rating fell dramatically when Jesus' words were more than the Jews could handle. The plots to arrest Jesus and then have him put to death, they had yet to be hatched, but the accusations were flying fast and opposition to Jesus was heating up quickly. Jesus knew that they were looking for something to accuse him of, so he straight out asks them, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Now, it's one thing to stand before men and invite them to prove your guilt. Do you remember how it turned out when Jesus was actually on trial in the middle of the night and the Jews were trying to accuse him of something, anything that they could accuse him of? It was a joke. Not even, they couldn't even get two or three people to come up with the same story, probably because they couldn't really remember what Jesus had actually said. Twice in just this section, the Jews misquote Jesus. It turns out they weren't actually listening to him that closely. Hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to it. Again, it's one thing to stand before men and invite them to prove your guilt. But it is another thing entirely to say, prove it, if God is to be your judge. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. He knows that we, what we are on the inside that is rotten to the core. The stuff that we do on the outside, well, that's just, that's just proof of what we are on the inside. And that's proof that anyone could use, and people that are closest to us know better than anyone. But Jesus says, 
judge me. Can, can you convict him of sin? Would you? Better question is this. Why would he even need to be judged? Why would he need to be proven guilty, not guilty, innocent, unblemished, or perfect? Why would he be on trial at all? Unless he is standing there taking the place of someone else. Our epistle lesson said it well. Christ offered himself unblemished to God to cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death. Jesus is to be judged and is judged to be innocent in the place of those who are not. And that's the truth. Just as someone who testifies before a judge swears to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, Jesus says, if I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Of course, the truth is what God says. And so Jesus says, he who belongs to God hears what God says. Jesus then answers his own question with, when he asserts that the reason that you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Notice that Jesus equates listening to and hearing him as the same as listening to God. God's word is the truth. And the opposite of truth is a lie. And so those who don't hear and don't keep God's word, which is Jesus' word, are liars, deceivers. So our intuit psalm says, deliver me from deceitful men who won't listen to the truth. Those Jews did not listen to Jesus very well. We mentioned that before. Did you notice? Jesus said, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And then the crowd responds, how dare you say that if anyone keeps your word, he'll never taste death. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, see, not taste. And then Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. And then they reply, how can you say that you've seen Abraham? He didn't say that. He said that Abraham had seen his day. It's what you and I would call selective hearing, where you only hear what you want to hear and what you think you heard. The crowds here show themselves to be masters at it, but we're really not so bad at it ourselves, are we? Can you deny your place in the crowds who hear the word of God but do not keep it? who listen selectively to the word of God. For example, God, God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy and, and the crowds say, you, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Even though Jesus specifically said that those, only those who hear the word of God belong to God. God says, lead a sexually pure and decent life in what you say and do. And, and the crowds respond, but then we could hardly watch TV or look on the internet anymore, and that sure would be inconvenient. And God says, if you think that you are standing firm in your salvation, watch out lest you fall. And the crowds say, 
we're fine. It's playing with fire. You push away his word, make your excuses, listen to the parts you want to hear, harden your heart, and eventually your faith will shrivel up and die. Jesus says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. But those who deny his word, those who ignore his word, Jesus' plea before the judge is to be rescued from those deceivers. See, to the crowds, Jesus' words seems ridiculous. They sounded outrageous. They, Jesus sounded like he had lost it, he, like he was crazy. Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? Being called a Samaritan was like being called a half-bred heretic. If he was possessed by a demon, that might explain why Jesus was completely out of his mind, they thought. These are insults. These are attacks. Jesus says, you are dishonoring me. But he doesn't cry about it. He doesn't get in a huff about it. He doesn't, Jesus didn't come to receive honor from people who only half listened to him. Jesus didn't come to, to say things and do things that would just make himself look good. No, he came to give glory to his Father. He says, I am not possessed by a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Jesus doesn't need glory from man. He receives glory from God. And he's the judge. Jesus' glory then is found when he does the will of his Father. So, when Jesus comes down to earth and takes on human flesh, when he has a birthday less than 50 years earlier, God is pleased and the angels sing in the skies, glory be to God on high. When Jesus walks and talks and lives and loves his way through his earthly life, he gives glory to God and God glorifies him. But the ultimate glory for Jesus comes when he goes forth to complete the mission for which he was sent. Jesus' greatest glory, in fact, comes when he appears the lowliest. His greatest glory is hidden when his sacred head is wounded, when he is despised and gory. His greatest glory is not when he hears, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. His greatest glory is when he screams out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he cries, it is finished. Jesus receives glory when he dies, when he looks death straight in the face and welcomes it. So that, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. See, because Jesus already saw your death. And that is his greatest glory. That's how Abraham could go up on a mountain with his only son, the son he loves, Isaac. That's how Abraham could go up with the fire and the rope and the knife and yet say to his servants, We'll be back. Yes, we. Because Abraham believed in the God who provides the sacrifice, the God who takes the place of people who are about to die, who should die 
the I am who spoke to Moses from the burning bush and led his people out of Egypt as though from death to life. Abraham saw through the eyes of faith what Jesus would do when he saw the ram caught in the thicket as a sacrifice prepared by God himself. Abraham saw Jesus' day and rejoiced. He heard God's word and belonged to God and therefore Abraham didn't see death. And neither will you. Even though you're walking straight into it. Even though you know full well that death comes to us all, you know that one day you are going to close your eyes and not reopen them. What will you see then? Not death. Because Jesus promises that when you keep his word, your eyes are fixed not on death, but on the one who has already died your death. Your eyes are fixed on Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, even if the appearance of Christ is veiled to your eyes now. You have his word and you keep it. In the upcoming weeks of Passion Tide, we will again hear and see Jesus on trial before men. They will accuse him and they will judge him and send him to die. But if you listen carefully, if you listen carefully, you will hear what's really going on. You listen carefully and you hear Jesus saying, judge me, O God. And you watch as Jesus is proven innocent of all sin. Listen to him as he speaks the truth. And you see him when he's glorified. And then wait. Just three days. And you'll even get to hear God's verdict on Easter morning. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in confessing the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the
Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For all the baptized, that we would be led by the light and truth of God's word to see with Father Abraham the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, when he went uncomplaining forth to the cross to suffer and die in our place, to atone for our sins, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord of life, we marvel again at the wonderful way in which you bring children into the world. Accept our thanks for holding your protective hand over mother and child in childbirth and for bringing joy to Jesse and Janessa Tim with the gift of a baby boy. Receive him into your family with the sacrament of holy baptism. Watch and protect this child and family all the days of their lives. For the gift of family, let us give thanks to the Lord that the Lord would bless all families, protect them from harm and evil, give them hearts of love for one another, and provide for all their needs. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those who have been placed in authority over us, that they would serve with integrity and honor, seeking to promote the common welfare of all. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who suffer in body and soul, that they would be blessed with patience and strength, and that they would receive healing and restoration in accordance with the Lord's will. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all the saints who have gone before us and now reside in heavenly bliss, let us give thanks to the Lord that we would be kept in the faith and with them receive the crown of glory as we enter into the life of the world to come. When Christ returns on the last day, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that with cleansed hearts we may be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
Jesus Christ, through you all things were created, and through you all things have their purpose. You judge the world through water, but save believing Noah and the church with the same righteous flood. With water you rescued Israel from slavery, destroying her enemy in the Red Sea, and led her through the Jordan River into the Promised Land. You spoke through the prophets, ruled through the kings, and mediated through the priests on behalf of your people, until it was time for your blessed passion, the sacrifice of the true Lamb of God. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus Christ, you did not turn away from the stroke of justice we deserved but absorbed its blow only to rise three days later. As you promised your apostles, so comfort us with the knowledge that you have ascended into heaven to prepare eternal bliss for us and rule all things in our favor that we may carry out your Pentecost command to preach the gospel to all nations. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. We give thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us with this Holy Supper. We pray that through it you will strengthen our faith in you and increase our love for one another. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.